200 level episode 262 a regular season wrap-up and what a season it's been a roller coaster in many ways and one where you have probably heard me go everything from jubilant to agitated and and that's what i want to start with is that you know this season on the whole has been a massive success because of the tangible thing that happened at the end of it but we also need to remember all the frustrations that came along the way and i think we all had them if not frustrations moments of confusion confusion as to what is this team and what is their legacy going to be and that's why i think we so badly wanted this to end with a big 10 title and thank god it did i mean yes a lot of things had to go right and sunday was one of the most spectacular sports days i've ever experienced and we're going to start with that because 17 years is a long time it is basically half a lifetime ago for me i'm 35 So 2005, 2004, 2005 was my senior year of high school, and you cannot write a better script for the age I was and getting accepted to the University of Illinois and getting to enjoy my final year in high school where everything was pretty carefree. You know, you'd taken care of everything. You knew what was coming up for you the next four years. Oh, and my favorite team in the world is the number one team in the world. And I think I've told this story before. So if I have, I've Forgive me for being redundant, but in December of 2004, so this is maybe a week or two after the Wake Forest game, Illinois is ranked number one in the nation, and me and my buddy Andrew are doing some Christmas shopping out at Marketplace, and I'm actually going to go to my buddy Andrew's bachelor party here in a month. He's getting married this summer. So we're out of the mall on a Saturday, wasting time, and our friend from high school, Isaac, texts us and says, hey guys, do you want to hang out with Dee and Darren tonight? Now, Isaac somehow knew these guys, maybe peripherally. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how he got to know them, but we said, hell yes, we want to hang out with you know, the stars of the number one team in the nation. So that night, we load into Andrew and his younger brother's minivan, and we drive over to their apartment complex, and we walk in, and playing Madden are Dee and Luther, and sitting on a table, I think, are Calvin Brock and Sean Pruitt. And maybe we were there for 15 minutes. It felt like a lifetime because, you know, time sort of stood still in that moment. And for us, this was it. We were basically meeting our heroes, right? And I I thought at that moment, well, I knew this was spectacular, but I also had a feeling then in that exact moment that Illinois basketball has arrived and it's not going to go anywhere. And the rest of that season did nothing to dispel this idea that Illinois basketball was going to be good for my entire life, that this was our destiny. We were going to be a blue blood. Finally, we, I mean, legit, I thought that this was maybe our lot in life. Of course, that didn't happen. And it's difficult to sustain that. Though at Illinois, I don't think it's difficult to sustain some level of success. So fast forward to 2017. Gross gets fired, Underwood gets hired. If you would have asked me then, what expectations do you have for Underwood? Or I guess more to the point, what would make you happy? I would say consistently making NCAA tournaments and occasionally competing for Big Ten titles. I would have said it probably exactly like that. I'm sure I did on 93.5. We could go find the tape, right? And I didn't know what kind of recruiter he would be because there wasn't much of a track record on that. And I didn't know necessarily if it would translate 100% from the one year at Oklahoma State or the massive success that he had at Stephen F. Austin. Well, I would say all things considered, this has been a home run hire. And 
Sunday was the culmination of an incredible five-year stretch for Brad Underwood. This is really a story about him. And of course, it's about the players, right? It's about Trent and DeMonte specifically being those guys that were there from the outset. And there's going to be, if there's a book about this team or this era of Illinois basketball, they are key players in this. But it really does all start with Underwood being the figurehead of this massive turnaround and now being in charge of a program that is as healthy as any program in the Big Ten. Whether or not Brad Underwood's going to be the guy to win a national title, you know, all those sorts of things we hope for, but you just can't guarantee because of the crapshoot nature of the NCAA tournament. But you at least give yourselves a chance when you compete for Big Ten titles and you get top 100 recruits and now maybe some consistency where you look at a coaching staff that hopefully if these guys leave, it's for head coaching positions, unlike the Antigua and Shin Coleman thing. So on Sunday, to be able to experience that at the State Farm Center, you see the rush of people on the floor, and you're trying to soak it in from the 200 level where I was sitting. You see, it's not just a clever name for a podcast. And we're almost thinking like Underwood, speech, speech. We want to hear from you. You're the guy that did this. And never in my wildest dreams would I have thought this is where this program would be in year five, that three of his first five years, years three, four, and five, would give us moment after moment that we will remember forever. I mean, there are just countless games in the last three years. Go back to three years ago. I guess you would probably start with uh, Io winning at the Cole Center. And then at Michigan was, of course, the not quite buzzer beater, but close enough. Then you have, I'll, I'll even say the memorable stretch where you lost to Maryland and Michigan State at home. Memorable because you climbed back out of it by beating Penn State, a top 10 team at the time, on the road. You go to the end of the season being beating Iowa the way that you did. And I can even remember the Indiana game before that, two games before that, where you essentially clinch what would have been an NCAA tournament appearance. So these memorable moments keep piling up. Last year, in the COVID-impacted year, where we couldn't be in the stands for it, as much of a bummer as that was, it felt like we were able to sh- share in that, at least through the podcast and other sorts of you know media and on social media especially, we could at least share it with people in some way, shape, and form. And God, if last year didn't have a bunch of memories from winning at Duke, basically smoking Duke on the road, and then the Iowa game at home in late January, and then the crazy run of February and March, probably the best five- or six-week run I've seen an Illinois team have with only 05 really rivaling it. And then this year, yes, there were disappointments. The Arizona game at home, as fun as it was, or the Purdue double overtime game, fun as it was, were disappointments. Ohio State, a massive disappointment. And I think there were disappointments that were heightened because we so badly wanted a tangible thing. And I say we. I don't think I was the only one that really wanted that Big Ten championship banner because it felt like it was just. It felt like it was the right thing to happen for this program. That it would have been an absolute travesty. Not travesty, but damn near a crime for this program to accomplish everything it did in three years and only have a Big Ten tournament title to show for it. That did not seem on par with their win-loss record. And they get it. And I think Sunday's podcast, if you listen back to it, me and Isaac and then Trevor joined us. We're all sort of searching for how to make sense of this because it was a whirlwind day, but it was actually the perfect ending for this regular season and really for the last three years. Now, that's not to say that, as Josh Whitman said in his letter, 
to fans last year that there's not bigger rings and bigger things. Or is it bigger things, bigger rings? However he said it, that's very true. I mean, this is all about making the second weekend of the tournament, maybe winning another Big Ten tournament, though I think we're all in a pretty good mindset heading into that, that, hey, whatever happens, happens, right? I think that's a healthy place to be because you've got the regular season title. It is the sixth Big Ten title in my lifetime. I had five in an eight-year stretch from 98 to 2005. That is getting spoiled. And I didn't take it for granted. But as I mentioned, that moment where me and my buddy Andrew and Isaac and Asher, my good friend Asher, who we're going to see at the bachelor party as well, were sitting in this apartment complex with Dee and Darren and Luther and those guys. At that time, we felt like we had it all and it wasn't ever going to leave. How naive we were, right? So that's why this particular championship is so cathartic because of the time that it took to get back to this level. And it's also that much sweeter because I realize at this age, at 35, that championships don't grow on trees. <laughs> you really have to have a lot of things go your way and you have to work really hard. But what's remarkable about this championship, and I can't say the same for 98, 01, 02, 04, or 05. Those teams, apart from the 04 team where Darren was out a little bit early in that Big Ten schedule, and I guess Lucas Johnson was out for the first chunk of the 02 season, but apart from that, adversity, I don't know how much, right? Those teams stayed healthy. They were loaded with talent. They did what they should have done, and that's why I love the 01 team, or that's why the 05 team is as legendary as they are. This team had so much going against it. I mean, our prognostications going into the year, Andre Corbello is going to be a superstar, so therefore you might win the Big Ten. Well, he wasn't a superstar. He's showing signs of it every now and then, but also making you pull your hair out. No, this team found a completely different way to win a Big Ten title than we could have envisioned back in November. Not that that's unique. Often, plans change. Expectations change. But that's what sets this apart. Maybe 98 is kind of an apt comparison. An old team that was kind of an ensemble cast with Chris Gandy and Jerry G and Matt Heldman, Kevin Turner. God, am I forgetting anybody? I probably am. Oh, Brian Johnson. So that was a team full of seniors that no one expected to win the Big Ten. Maybe not even picked to finish in the top half. That's almost like a Wisconsin thing, what Illinois did back in 1998. So this, this is like that, though, in that you had an older team. And even though you were picked to finish in the top three by many people, outside of Champaign-Urbana, I think most were probably picking Purdue or Michigan not Illinois, and that you did this in a manner that not many people would have predicted you could have done, all the more impressive for Underwood, all the more impressive for these players, and it is worth celebrating. Now, look at me. I'm 11 minutes into a preamble, and I got to hit the sponsors before I get back into it. Real quick, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. All the best deals and prices at dpdoe.com. Custom zones with any topping you want, or some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. 15 years these guys have been around, and for good reason, they're one of the best in Champaign-Urbana, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So while you're watching all the Big Ten tournament action, stay home, imbibe in a few beverages, and let them bring a piping hot calzone to your doorstep. That's dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby, I'm on at fourthandkirby.com. Me thinks there will be a Big Ten championship shirt at some point. So be on the lookout for the guys at fourthandkirby.com. And in the meantime, get your new lucky shirt. Or if you already got a lucky shirt, you probably need shirts to wear during the off days of this Big Ten and NCAA tournament run. So go online to fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction, I'm on at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. And we're entering springtime again. So get a leg up on that by getting a free estimate today at rectorconstruction.com. 
Champagnerdude.com. Great guys, expert craftsmen, and they're really cool in this community. They give so much back to Champaign-Urbana. Um, listen, you can trust these guys, and you might even talk to Isaac Ambrose when you call them. That's R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. We got our homeowners and auto from him. Great State Farm prices, but most importantly, excellent customer service from Brian and his staff. That's brianismyguy.com. Alani Inquirer, they are packed with coverage, as you would expect, and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you for the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. You can rate and review us on Spotify as well. I think that's the particulars. Twitch, we'll be back with uh, some Twitch feeds on Friday. I'll be doing that for the second half of the Illinois versus Indiana or Michigan game as we have a brunch edition of the 200 level. I'll be getting done with parent-teacher conferences, rushing home, catching the end of the first half, and then doing the second half here. As you guys are on your lunch break, maybe you can join our Twitch stream. That's twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level. We already got over 100 followers or subscribers, whatever it is, and that's just in one year, kind of a, a trial run, and we're going to keep it. We really like this, and I think as we get into next year, what I'll start doing is uploading those videos onto YouTube so they are saved for posterity. So we'll continue to expand the 200-level empire. That sounds very far more dramatic than it actually is, but I really do appreciate you guys listening and following along this season, which was a whirlwind just like Sunday. It was the perfect summation for what was a season where I think by the end of it, we were tired. To give you an example, after the podcast on Sunday, I went upstairs. It would have been about 12.15 when I did, and I thought, if I go to sleep at 12.50, I'll get five hours of sleep because my alarm's for 5.50. Didn't quite happen. No, maybe more like four, maybe more like three and a half because I was on Twitter and just trying to consume everything, every video clip, every random stat or every random quote that Jeremy tweeted out from the press conference, soaking it in because this doesn't happen very often. I mean, in 2005, if I recall, you won at home against Purdue, and it was sort of premeditated celebration that was, I don't know, with four games left in the Big Ten. Not to say it was anticlimactic. It was not. But it was expected. You had bigger fish to fry that year. So a Big Ten title, your fifth and eight years, didn't quite have the same pop, if we're being honest. Of course we took it. It was awesome. Uh, same with the Big Ten tournament title that year. It was like, okay, great. You did that. Now please make the Final Four. And they did. They did. Now, um, I wanted to quickly revisit past Big Ten championships because for me, you know, I, I have an encyclopedic memory about big moments, whether that be big sporting events or big concerts that I've been to. In 1998, that was still early enough in my fandom where individual games, some were fuzzier than others. I think I recall a game against Indiana at home that year that was an absolute blast, I think on a Saturday afternoon with Bob Knight. I don't know if I was at that Illinois-Michigan State game, which a lot of people remember that game in 1998. You beat Michigan State, I think, the one time you played them. I'm guessing my parents went to that one because I, I think I'd remember, but I don't know. But on the last day of the year, I do remember the Purdue game at Michigan State, and Illinois needed Purdue to win in order to get a share of the Big Ten title. And my dad and I are watching the end of that game upstairs, and I remember it ends, and Purdue gets the ups mild upset. I mean, Michigan State was good, but this is the Purdue team with Brian Cardinal that ended up beating you nine times in a row. So they were pretty good, too. But it was still a surprising road win. And I think I asked my dad something like, wow, like 
we're Big Ten champions. Like this is crazy because in my life I had not experienced it, and I always remember conversations about well the '89 team. Keep in mind they didn't win the Big Ten title. Not that that really bothered people too much because a Final Four banner, I think we'll take that over a Big Ten championship. I mean, I would, as much as I love Big Ten championships. As much as I valued this, I will take a Final Four banner over it any day of the week. But I'll take both. So I remember hearing that and thinking, wow, you know, this is like the white whale. This is something that's kind of hard to uh, hard to attain. That was 1998. So I was, I think, primed and ready when after Lon Kruger left, and I don't want to say in disappointing circumstances, but I don't know if anyone else felt this way. As much as I liked Lon Kruger, it felt like he was in the Hall of Very Good. Bill Self is a Hall of Famer. You upgraded with Bill Self, as good as Lon Kruger is, and immediately we felt that extra energy. I mean, God, the, the opening press conference for Bill Self, which I think was in the middle of the summer because it was kind of a late hire. Lon Kruger took the NBA job a few months after the season. And immediately thinking, this is right before I rode my bike up to Windsor Swim Club to spend another afternoon at the pool, but watching that on Channel 3 and thinking, well, this, this guy seems pretty cool, you know? And I know Tulsa made the Elite Eight against North Carolina, so yeah, this, this might work out. Yeah, it worked out. It worked out pretty good. So when they won the Big Ten title in 01, it was at Minnesota. It was kind of a rough-and-tumble game, but I think you won that one by six, seven points. Okay, Big Ten champions. And that was expected by that point, but still sweet, right? I felt like I could really relish that. 2 that was a sweet one to win back-to-back because you started 3-5 and five in the Big Ten that year. Now, if you recall the fifth loss, Super Bowl Sunday against Michigan State at home. Disappointing loss. That was the Billy Packer saying Frank Williams is playing like a dog. Now, that's a bit much, but Frank Williams did not have a good game, and it felt like that season, which had had so many expectations because you only lost Marcus Griffin and Serge, but everybody else was back. It felt like Final Four or bust. And now we're talking about three and five in the Big Ten. They rattle off seven straight wins to set up a game at Minnesota yet again, where if they win, they get a share. And they were down by as many as seven or eight with a couple minutes to go. A mad blitz by Illinois. There was a late three from Corey Bradford after a steal. And then, of course, Frank's game winner. And I remember just being so tense during that game and the euphoria that we felt afterwards. I remember driving to Village Inn Pizza. That was kind of a tradition for us after a big Illinois win. We would go with Bob and Nancy, our neighbors, to Village Inn and get a big heaping plate of Nacho Supreme. And then, you know, one of their Supreme pizzas, those thin crust. I mean, anyone that had Village Inn Pizza, that thin crust stuff, so freaking good. A little bit of crunch to it. And then we went out to the airport to meet the team when they got back. That's the infamous shot or infamous shot of Lucas Johnson walking in with the orange pom-pom under his blue hat and carrying that trophy. So that one was particularly sweet. 04 was particularly sweet. You clinched it, I believe, at Purdue, or at least a share of it, at Purdue. And it was a Luther had put back in overtime. One of, I think, the most underrated Illinois games in history, if you think about it. What was on the line that night and it took over time, and this was Gene Cady's last year. I think Matt Painter was doing that coach-and-waiting thing. And, you know, listen, Illinois played a fine game, but we know how hard it is to win at Purdue. That night was no exception. I mean, I think I could count on one hand the times Illinois won at Purdue in my life, maybe. It might take two hands. But that was a big one, and we don't really ever talk about that. 
that team was also in the dredges in early January. They lost by like 20 points to Wisconsin before Weber got that thing turned around. There was the loss against Providence in December where we looked bad. And then they figured it out. And they got a 4C. They made the Sweet 16 and lost to Duke. But that was really what primed you for the 05 season. And you won, of course, a Big Ten title then. But again, bigger fish to fry. So where does 2022 sit in all of this? To say the season had an inauspicious start would be a bit of an understatement. You started off 2-0 with home wins against Jackson State and Arkansas State. Anyone that saw those games, those two teams were god-awful. But the positives you were taking away from it is, oh, wow, Coleman Hawkins, really good. So that was something they had talked up all offseason. I think Corbella was fairly decent in those games as well. Kofi wasn't playing, but you still won by considerable margins. And then that leads to the Marquette game which was the first, you've got to be kidding me. Um, you lost by one against a Marquette team that I think might make the tournament. A pretty decent year for Shaka there. It's a great fit for him. At the time, though, it felt very disappointing. It, it felt like even with Kofi not out there, it was such a messy loss. We had an eight-point lead, I think, with you know seven minutes to go, something like that. You end up losing it, and now you're two and one, and you already took a loss that you didn't expect you would have in the non-conference. But no worries, Kofi's coming back in a week. So everyone's healthy for the Cincinnati game. Here we go. Oh, wait, you lose by 20. The Cincinnati team's not very good, right? So (laughs) if there's such a thing as a bad loss on the schedule, that one is it. It was so bad where I did not watch the Kansas State game the next night. Didn't do it. One, I couldn't watch Bruce Weber. And, And for those that have listened to me over the years, it's not anything personal with Bruce. I just can't do it. I did it for way too long. I find him to be whiny. See, I'm, I guess I am making it personal. I find him to be whiny, and I always thought people that said, what a great guy. Okay, he's fine, but he also left here, I don't think, with a whole lot of dignity intact, if I'm being quite honest. I think the way that he rode his players under the bus, especially Dimitri McKamey over the years, and then after that Purdue game, the obituary he wrote for himself, I thought was the most pathetic thing I've seen from an Illinois basketball coach. So there's my spiel about Bruce Weber. Why am I making it about Bruce? They won that game, fortunately. I go up to Michigan for Thanksgiving, so I don't see that UT Rio Grande, Rio Grande Valley game where you win by nine, but it took every bit of you to beat a really bad team. And at this point, you're three and two thinking, where the hell is this going? This is where things begin to change. You beat Notre Dame in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. You smoke Rutgers at home. You win at Iowa. A big win, given the circumstances. As good as Iowa's playing, that's two quality wins right there. You might get a third if you play them against Saturday. Setting up a game against Arizona at home, where you lose by four. A great game. An opportunity to win it late. And then, was a five-second violation on Plummer? Not to dredge up old ghost here, but that was... A disappointing end to what was otherwise a thrilling game. Kofi was not very good that game. Now, do I want to be in Arizona's bracket? No. But as a four seed, there's a chance. And I think this team probably is a four seed. And you could win, right? I would say maybe three out of ten matchups against Arizona, you win. Three out of ten. That just was not one of them. You were just a little bit too messy. But Rebound the next Saturday, you smoke St. Francis of PA, your second St. Francis of the year, leading to the Bragg and Rights game, which, as bad as Missouri was, we, we just wanted to win, but it doesn't hurt that you won by 25 points, and you were up by as many as 33, I think, at one point. So, yes, while Missouri is bad, that was one feather in your cap that you've been missing the last few years. And if there were two things, not to compare the two, because one is far bigger than the other, Bragg and Rights trophy, Big Ten championship trophy. Those were the two things you have not yet accomplished that were very attainable 
for as good as you were as a program these last three years. So now you got those along with last year's Big Ten tournament. And it's like, okay, now you're stacking trophies. I like that. Now, the Florida A&M game on December 29th was canceled, so we had to wait a while. It was January 4th when you finally got going again at Minnesota. You got a big win up there, 23 points. You're looking good. Maryland at home, you win by 12. Kofi in the second half was phenomenal. That was Io night. January 11th at Nebraska, Omar Payne helps you close that game out. You win 81-71, to and little do you know the impact that Nebraska will have on your season in about two months. Michigan at home, you won by 15. Did not feel like it. Hunter Dickinson didn't play. It was actually a close game for 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes, really. And you ended up pulling away. But I remember being a little bit tense that Friday night. The wind taking out the sails a little bit without Hunter Dickinson in the lineup. But you got the win, right? You're still kind of looking for those marquee wins, though, at this point. Maybe it'll be Purdue the next game. No. Two overtime loss. Kofi a non-factor. Andre Crabella was superstar in his return. Now, at the time, if there was such a thing as a moral victory, I think we kind of circled that game as a moral victory. We'll get him in February, right? We'll get him in a few weeks. Of course, that didn't happen, but it felt like, wow, what what a great game. And then, I don't know, as time went on, you're thinking, Jesus, guys, you just need one more shot. Or maybe don't get down as many points as you did to Purdue. This became a trend, right? Getting down big in home games. Sometimes you were able to climb out of that hole. Sometimes you weren't. And then what I think is the most disappointing loss of the season, January 21 at Maryland. Anyone that tuned into that podcast live on Twitch saw just how pissed off I was. And you might have been thinking, good God, Carp has a screw loose. You got to chill. Kofi didn't play. There was a concussion after the Purdue game. Edie got him with an elbow. And this leads to what I think is the game of the year. This leads to what I think is the most important game of this season. Michigan State at home on January 25th. Tuesday, 6 p.m., ESPN National, got Robbie Hummel, got Jason Benetti. And I walked into that stadium thinking, what the hell? Okay, Kofi's not playing, of course. Corbello's not playing, of course, great. We still can't catch a break with injuries. You get out to a big lead, and you maintain it and hold them off just enough. They miss their free throws at the end. You win by one. Listen, that becomes a recurring pattern, right? Opponents missing their free throws. We can't sit here and say the basketball gods are against this particular team when you look at everything in totality. Yes, all the injuries and all that, but I think overall the basketball gods gifted you a few things this year as well, and you took them. So I'm not saying you know there's any asterisk here. There's, there's nothing you need to apologize for. But that Michigan State game was basically, uh, I think, the game of the year. I, I really do think that was it. And there was a sense at the time that, well, maybe that's one that we look forward to in the future and think, wow, um, this is the one that could keep you in the Big Ten title hunt. This leads to a game at Northwestern. Kofi's back. You win by three. You won by three points. It was a nail biter, and it took a Brandon Podjimski three, and it took a DeMonte putback dunk, but you won. And then here, I think, is the week where this team showed what they are fully capable of. Wisconsin at home on the snowy Wednesday evening. You won by 13. It was a late three by Johnny Davis. You were beaten by 16. You looked really good. And then a few days later, Saturday morning at Indiana, 74-57. to Incredibly impressive second half. Whoa. Okay, this team's cooking now. And then you lose by 16 at Purdue. At this point, I'm starting to think, what the hell is this? And this is where the heaviness of not having won the Big Ten regular season last year, that's where the heaviness starts to pile up. 
every loss feels heightened, fairly or not. And I would admit that some of my reactions were probably far more emotional than logical, but I guess that's fandom. Didn't help when the following Sunday you played Northwestern at home and you beat them by seven, but that game, for anyone that was there, it was bad, very uninspired. And then you lose on the road to Rutgers by 11. This is the crossroads. And where I would argue the second most important game of the year was at Michigan State. So the two Michigan State games, the, the team that you could not beat the previous two years, even though Iowa got them as freshman year, those two wins might be the most important in your Big Ten title run. You win by five, you hold them off despite a late barrage from Walker. And it was just one of those Demetri Trice things where he was scoring at will and what the hell, it happens sometimes, but you won on the road when you absolutely needed to, just three days removed from a terrible performance at Rutgers. Okay. Oh, wait, then you play Ohio State at home. You lose. <laughs> See, this is why the, the, the topsy-turvy thing, I'm reading through this and thinking, wow, our final record was 15-5 and five because every loss felt so big, right? Every single loss felt so big. But then you win at Michigan by eight. And then you beat Penn State in a game where you were kind of lethargic. And then you just wait. And you think, well, hey, it's senior night. It's Iowa. It's going to be a pumped-up atmosphere no matter what. And then Sunday afternoon happens. And it changes everything. And that is why even today, as I said, two days out from this thing, and I'm finally fully rested. Excuse me. Last night, on Monday night, I'm watching TV with Kara, and it is 8 o'clock. And I am nodding off. I'm doing that thing where you are trying to keep your eyes open and you can't, and your head kind of does that quick bob and your whole body jerks. And she's like, you got to go to bed. And I was like, I was going to try to make it till nine. I didn't. I'm in, I'm in bed at 8.45. I'm snoozing. I get nine hours of sleep. And I needed it because my entire body expelled every damn endorphin. I can compare it to one thing in my life. And I think what I'm finding is a recurring pattern where if something doesn't happen for a while and I really, really, really want it, when it happens and it happens like perfectly, I am spent in terms of endorphins, dopamine, whatever whatever that pleasure drug or drop is or drip in your brain, it's gone, right? You expel all of it. The only thing I can compare my feeling on Monday to was after the first Dave show, <laughs> the first concert back from COVID last summer, where I got, I was like, I'm going all out. This is it. First concert in two years, let's do it. And the next morning I wake up in the hotel room and I'm just like jello, right? I, my, my, my body is just noodle arms and noodle legs. That was me after the Iowa game. I, I'm not alone. I'm not. I'm talking to my brother-in-law today and he's saying, yeah, I went to, I was in bed at 7.30 last night. Now he goes to bed a little bit earlier than I do anyways, but 7.30, that tells you we were zonked. Everybody that was at that game, how could you not be? But wasn't Monday beautiful? It's that feeling like after a big playoff baseball win where you stay up until midnight, but your team wins the extra innings and you know you're going to be exhausted at work tomorrow and maybe you had a drink or two too many, but what the hell, you'll take some ibuprofen, drink some coffee, and you'll be, you'll be able to make it through the day because you're so freaking happy. And that was Monday. It was a feeling that I absolutely love. Just that sort of slap happy, everything is good. We got a Big Ten freaking championship. I joke with Kent and my friend after the game, like, dude, I have like a $300 allotment for Big Ten Championship garb. Like, it's because it's been that long. I want to commemorate this. I really do. 
as life goes on, you realize you do celebrate all these things. You need to because you don't know how often they come around. I celebrate every concert I go to by making sure each one of them counts and has a big-ass tailgate beforehand and that there's something uh, to remember from it. it. That's important to me. I like memories more than material possessions. But I also like commemorating some of these memories with material possessions. So I'm excited for like 4th and Kirby, what they come out with. And I, I'm not just dropping them in there because they're my sponsor, but you know they're going to come up with some badass Big Ten championship stuff. And I'm going to get some commemorative, I don't know, a commemorative mug. I always liked those. My dad had a Rose Bowl 84 and the Big Ten Champions 84 that had the schedule and results on it. One of those big beer stein kind of things. I'd love one of those. Hopefully they make it. Big Ten Champs. So that's just a feeling that all these little trinkets and stuff that I got for the 05 Final Four team or the Big Ten titles in the early 2000s and you know, I just started collecting them. And after a while, wow, yeah, this is just what we do. No, it's not It's not guaranteed. And this is what Mike Wotulip said often on his podcast with Jeremy on Monday. Nothing's guaranteed. And that is why I'm really just trying to soak in every single bit of this, every bit of it. And I think you probably are too. I'm trying to consume every bit of Illini-related media that I can. And I'm also... If they win Friday against Indiana or Michigan, I'm going to go for the Saturday game. And if they win on Sunday, I'll stay there for the Sunday game. So this is just that time of year where, God dang, winning that Big Ten title. I don't want to say it takes the pressure off because then that makes a sound like we might be okay with losing Friday and losing in the second round of the NCAA tournament. No one would be. We want more than that. And we should want more than that because this team is capable of more than that. But even if things don't go great in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, you have this. And as Jeremy said on a recent podcast, and I think the one that he did right after the game with Derek and Joey, this is the kind of thing now where you can welcome the team back and they're the Big Ten tournament champions in 2021 and the Big Ten regular season champions in 2022, and it's a package deal. Just like the 0102 teams, that's a package deal. They won something each year. The Big Ten regular season championship each year. Bring him back for the 20-year anniversary. Bring all these guys, including Iowa, bring him back for the 10-year anniversary to celebrate these two things because it is a package deal. This is an era in Illinois basketball. And whether or not there's going to be a ton of turnover or just a little bit of turnover, because we don't know what Kofi or Grandison will do next year. If they come back, there's actually quite a lot more continuity than you might think, right? But regardless this thing as at least has its place in Illinois basketball history. I always like to feel like I'm witnessing something memorable when it comes to sports, right? I don't want it to be a season like, let's say, 2000. Lon Kruger's last season. They were good. Four seed in the NCAA tournament. They lost in the second round. They didn't win a Big Ten championship. Didn't get to the Big Ten tournament championship, I don't think at least. And when we think back to great Illinois teams, we don't think of them. Maybe a bit unfairly, because they were really good, and that set up what was a great Big Ten title run the next two years. But we don't remember them quite as much. I mean, if I said Cleotis Brown, who was a big player on that team, if I said Cleotis Brown, what's your favorite Cleotis Brown memory? Often our memories are just intertwined with those tangible things. This is why it is such a damn relief to get that. Now, I could say Wisconsin fans were happy to get a Big Ten title, right? And I'm sure they were. And I'm sure they were disappointed 
they didn't keep it outright after what happened Sunday. But knowing how I felt in the early 2000s, I can almost guarantee that the way that they felt after beating Purdue on Tuesday does not match the way that Illinois fans felt winning Sunday. It doesn't. As Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. 17 years. I don't know who it was harder for. Old fogies like me or a guy like Trevor Isaac who were young enough when Illinois was winning Big Ten titles to not have it register as much. They couldn't fall back on those memories like I could, right? They were waiting for their moment, and they kind of got it with the Big Ten tournament title last year. That felt validating given the circumstances, but that does not compare to a 20-game marathon. You won the marathon as opposed to winning the 400-meter relay, which is great. You know, it's, it's great to win that and win three games in three days against three tournament teams, but there's something to be said about the long haul and the satisfaction in having accomplished a 20-game season, 15-5, and five, with all the crap this team dealt with. Think about last April. I mentioned this on Sunday's podcast. I think it bears repeating. Think about April and how we felt. Adam Miller, who, by the way, is at an LSU program that may fire Will Wade after the latest <laughs> revelations. I think the NCAA, they dropped the hammer today, so we'll see what LSU does. But Adam Miller transfers out. Jesus Christ. Kofi Coburn enters the transfer portal. Trent Frazier and DeMonte, we don't know what they're going to do. At a point, we were wondering who's going to be on the team. Oh, wow, guess what? Your two top assistants are leaving. Oh, wait, all three assistants are leaving. Did we just blow our chance? And you can go back if you wanted, if you're a glutton for punishment or you just want to make fun of me for being overly serious. But I was not the only one worried that we might have blown our chance. That, uh uh-oh, you know, as much as I like Underwood, something has to be amiss if you're losing assistance and you're losing all these players after what you just did. Did we blow it? Well, you didn't. But it took a lot of things going right. It took Underwood getting two assistants. Well, I should say three because Jeff Alexander was promoted from within and apparently has done a great job because this coaching staff did a phenomenal job this year. I think it's his best coaching job, Brad Underwood, so far at Illinois. And the assistants have to have a big part of that. But we didn't know who was going to be on the team. We didn't know who this Alfonso Plummer guy was and that he'd be one of the best three-point shooters in Illinois history. And the one guy that we knew was going to be here from the beginning, Andre Curbelo, wasn't even the Andre Curbelo you expected to have this year. And you still won a Big Ten championship. You won a Big Ten championship despite Kofi, I don't want to say being inconsistent, because you could still argue he should have won Big Ten Player of the Year. Johnny Davis had bad games too, right? It's just that Kofi had his against the bigs from Purdue. He had his against Arizona. So there's this weird kind of cloud that was over him. And then he closes out the year so strong against Iowa. And you're like, oh, right, right, that's Kofi. But we didn't know he was going to be back. I mean, all these things that had to reverse from, I mean, God, the the four weeks after the Loyola loss were some of the darkest days of my Illini basketball fandom. And I think for a lot of us, too, because you're on one hand dealing with the loss itself to the point where I didn't watch an NCAA tournament game until Gonzaga-UCLA, and I'm glad I did. Or whatever UCLA, UCLA's final four game, and whoever it was, it was the absolutely phenomenal game, and they ended up winning late. And I, I felt, at least at that moment, okay, I'm back. I, I can watch basketball again and not get sick to my stomach. But I did not watch any Sweet 16, any Elite Eight. I couldn't do that next weekend. I couldn't watch any other games, certainly the rest of that Sunday after Illinois lost to Loyola. And it just felt like salt on the wound that we were 
having to now deal with all these defections to other schools. Of course, Kentucky. We thought Kentucky was maybe going to poach Kofi. Wow. So I think it's important to reflect on where we were 11 months ago on April 8th, let's say, or even May 8th. I mean, when did things start feeling good again? Well, when Kofi came back, that was a big deal, and that was over the summer. But, yeah, it, <laughs> it just blows my mind that we're at this point. You know, it's it's something where you were considered to be a really good Big Ten team with all these guys coming back. I thought they were going to win the Big Ten title, but you didn't even do that in the way that I or many other people thought you would. But they did it. And one final thought on this team, because I could rattle on and on about it. They're tough. Tough as hell. And I think that if there is a legacy for this particular team that separates them from last year or from the year before, they're old, they're grizzled, they're tough. Yes, there were those momentary what-the-hell kind of things. They were not the prettiest team. No one would argue that. Ken Palm would not even suggest that they were a top-10 team in offense or defense where last year you were top-10 in both categories. So, no, objectively, Right now, they are not playing as good as last year's team was. But last year's team, after facing some adversity early, there weren't a lot in the way of comebacks in that February-March run. There weren't. For the most part, they were playing ahead. And that's great. You would prefer a team does that anyways, to be honest. But they didn't have to go through the ringer quite as much as this team did. And they had Io DeSumo, an All-American. So they had two All-Americans. This team has one. and. They aren't just riding Kofi's coattails. They, they're doing this by committee in a lot of ways. There's not a you know, select closer. So while things are a little bit more haphazard and while they can make us pull our hair out, ultimately I do think toughness will be their identity. And I think that's what going forward has me most excited about Underwood. He continues to win games despite looking out on the court and saying, well, I don't know if we have the best five guys on the court right now. I mean, there were moments against Iowa, if we're being honest, where it felt like they just had maybe five better guys in totality than we did on the court. That's how Iowa's playing right now. But Illinois, sometimes, you know, you see Trent Frazier go for two points. Yeah, he's great defensively. He scored two points and you won the game. To me, what that says is this team just finds a way. Last year's team, yeah, they found a way, but they did so quite efficiently, quite pretty. I mean, God, when they got going, they were really hard to stop, especially when Andre Corbello found his groove. And then the Big Ten tournament was just a wild weekend where you just played great. I mean, the Ohio State game, maybe not. That was, you know, if I think about it, the Ohio State game last year was actually a good harbinger of things to come this year. I don't think many of us felt during a lot of that Ohio State game, especially the second half and overtime, that Illinois was going to win. I didn't. I thought multiple times, oh my God, this isn't happening. I'm going to be sick to my stomach. But they found a way. That is the kind of thing we saw multiple times this year. They found a way. And I don't know what that bodes uh, or what that means, I should say, for the NCAA tournament. I, I I just want to make the second weekend and then take chances against a likely one seed because I think you're probably going to stay in that four line. I don't know what else you could do unless you played and beat Purdue and maybe you take their three spot. I'm, I'm not sure. But regardless, this team just found a way. And they had more crap thrown at them than any other Big Ten championship I've seen from Illinois in my lifetime. And that counts for something. And it makes you proud to be a fan. I mean, I was just thinking about this today. 
they had Coleman on Juan and Derek's show yesterday. Trevor was texting us about that. I thought that's really cool. And I'm like, God, if I were able to talk to Coleman, this is going to sound so cheesy as a 35-year-old guy. I'd say, Coleman, not to be creepy or weird, but I'm really proud of you. <laughs> what what a story. you know. And that is the kind of thing that it's not easy to find those sorts of narratives that work out like that in the course of a season where a guy goes from doghouse, essentially, to winning you a Big Ten title. This team found a way. Jacob Grandison started every game this year except for a couple, right? Early on. Uh, maybe four or five games early on when Coleman did. He's out against Iowa. No big deal. We'll find a way. You know, BBV was out too. Don't sleep on that. I like BBV. I really do. But everyone's always out. There's always one or two guys out, and they find a way. So I need to give kudos to them. I need to give kudos to Underwood. And I want to end on one final thought. The Illinois fan base is the hungriest fan base in the nation. Easy for me to say that as a biased fan. I find some Illinois fans to be annoying. I've muted plenty of them on Twitter. I find most fan bases in some way, shape, or form to be annoying. We can certainly have an inferiority complex, and that really comes out in some negative ways sometimes. Like today, the Big Ten Awards come out, and Kofi's not Big Ten Player of the Year, Underwood's not Coach of the Year. It, it doesn't fire me up that much, even though I think arguments can be made for both, especially Underwood. I mean, yes, Greg Gard got Coach of the Year. Why? Because they sucked last year, and they got lucky this year. And, and this is me talking as someone that just despises Wisconsin basketball. But point notwithstanding, we freaking deserve this. You know, if there's such a thing as sweat equity that a fan can put into it, Illinois basketball fans have put more sweat equity into their program, and they got nothing in return for a good 12, 13 years. Nothing. And then finally, 2020, they get it. COVID. 2021, one seed. Lose to Loyola. 2022, whew, Big Ten Championship. And it feels so good that barring a Friday loss and a first-round loss in the NCAA tournament, I don't think there's going to be enough that's going to change the impact of having won that game and the impact of that day. Sunday was special. It is a day that will live in our minds forever. It's a day that if I had kids and not planning on it, but just saying if I had kids, maybe I'll tell Rosie this story and she'll act like she cares because that's what dogs do. That there are not many sporting days in my life that will ever come close to that. So remember it and cherish it. Spend a bunch of money on, you know, Big Ten Championship garb. I'll let you know when the fourth and Kirby stuff comes out. Follow them on Twitter because you know that they're going to be posting something pretty cool probably pretty soon. Those guys are pros at what they do. But huh, I'm just happy. I'm just really happy. You can probably tell from this voice as well. I was happy Sunday. I'm feeling it for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm happy for us. I'm happy for the team most of all because they really had to work for this one more than any Big Ten champion at Illinois that I've seen in my lifetime. All right, everybody. I will be back Friday. Wanted to get a regular season wrap up before the Big Ten tournament starts. Excited to watch all the games Thursday. Excited to watch the Indiana-Michigan game during my break before parent-teacher conferences Thursday afternoon. I think I'd prefer to play Indiana because Michigan just has the higher ceiling, though Indiana will be desperate. And I think actually more desperate because Michigan's probably in the tournament and they've been so wildly inconsistent. Indiana has been consistently inconsistent at least, right? Um, they can't close out games for whatever reason. So I think I would slightly rather play Indiana. 
Though I guess be careful what you wish for, because it would be a home game for them. I don't know many Michigan fans that are going to travel down for this. One, they don't care, relatively speaking. And two, you know, why would you travel for a team that hasn't really given you much to be excited about this year? I, I don't see that happening at 1030 Central Time or 1130 on Friday. A bunch of Michigan fans saying, okay, guys, this is it. No. Maybe if they made it to Saturday, they'd show up. But I think you have more of a home court advantage if you play Michigan. So I don't know. I mean, listen, whoever you play, you should win. And it doesn't need to be pretty. You should be able to get a win against either of those teams. And you're on the right side of the bracket in terms of the teams that are on your side of the bracket, uh, whether that be Michigan, Indiana, or Rutgers, Iowa. You have one combined loss against them this year. Go to the other side of the bracket with Purdue, Maryland, Michigan State. Well, actually, no, you beat Michigan State twice this year. Basically, not having to play Purdue until Sunday, that would be a benefit. I would love to be there at the former Conseco Fieldhouse, whatever they call it now. I would love to be there Sunday afternoon for a Purdue-Illinois rematch. What the hell? I would hate to lose them three times, but I've seen it happen in my Illini fandom before, back when Brian Cardinal was there. You got the Big Ten regular season championship, so you can hold on to that. Um, but if that game were to happen, I'd really want that, too. Yeah, I really would. So let's let's get there. Uh, let's get to Saturday by winning on Friday. And if so, I hope to see some of you guys over in Indy. And I would bring this podcast equipment over so I could do some for my hotel room and maybe even have Trevor join because I know he's going to be there as well. Before I go, DP Doe, I'm on to dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. You can get a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone online at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby, be on the lookout maybe for a Big Ten Championship t-shirt coming soon from the folks at fourthandkirby.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. It's about springtime. Get a free estimate today at rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy. And he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. For Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, for you listeners, you made the last podcast I think the third highest listened to podcast we've ever done, and it will probably climb up to the very top if I think about it. The only thing that might top it, I don't know if we make a final four. Yeah, I think that might, I think that might make it. Fingers crossed, but let's have fun at the Big Ten tournament first. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level. <laughs>